Welcome to Pros Tinted Glasses. I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. And welcome to our year-end review. It's the end of 2021, which marks the first full year that we've had a podcast. Because it's been the only year that we've had a podcast. (laughs) True, true. And we did a lot of reading this year. I know I did. Yeah, I did quite a bit too. Uh, so we were just going to talk about some of the things that we liked, that we didn't like, um, our stats, because this year we both decided to keep much better track of our stats, and uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, and I, I, one of my big pet peeves is when people start doing year-end reviews, like, December 1st. Like, you guys missed a whole month. That's only 11 twelfths of the year. So, we got it. We've got five days to the end of the year, but I feel like we're, we're cutting it close enough that I'm comfortable reviewing my year in its entirety. Right, and I only read one book in December, so we really aren't missing much. Oh, dang. Have you just been super busy or did you like hit a slump there at the end? Um, I've been super busy and I kind of hit a slump um, and it was Outlander. So it's not like it was like a short book. It was like over sure. it was yeah, like 800 no, that, pages. That's worth at least two, if not three books. Um, I also, before we get started proper, Bailey, I wanted to celebrate. I am drinking a Christmas ale. Oh my God. No fucking way. <laughs> because do you know what I have sitting next to the bed for when we finish? Is it a Christmas ale? It's a Great Lakes Christmas ale. <laughs> I bought a six-pack off of Daniel. They are delicious. Yes. This is my last one. I've been drinking them Whoa. slowly over the last, like, two and a half weeks. So yes. figured the day after Christmas is a proper time to have the last Christmas ale. It's perfect. Uh, the only reason I don't have mine open is because of the way I set up today, there's no safe place to put a beer that I'm not afraid I will knock it over onto my white comforter. So... <laughs> Um, after yeah, that's a, after that's the a good coffee measure, yeah, after the coffee incident of New Year's Eve morning, in which I spilled coffee on my gray sheets and on my Diana Gabaldon book, there will be no more liquids. <laughs> that is fair. So, uh, moving on from Christmas ale, we want to start. I guess let's start with my favorite thing. Let's start with favorites. Okay, you want to just jump straight into favorites? I just want to jump straight into favorites. Okay, cool. Uh, Bailey, what were your favorite books of the year? Um, The first bullet point under this toggle is, this is so tough. So we decided to (laughs) choose five books. Roughly Yeah, five. I mean, I was always, like, I. there's no way I could ever choose a favorite. Although I did, I did rank them, but the ranking, like, could change totally based on my mood, I think. I did not rank mine, and now I'm going to read them in an entirely different order than I typed them. So. <laughs> okay. Hey, do we want to start? I Well, I know you just said that you didn't rank them, but do you want to go like you do one, I do one, up yes. to like our top favorite of the year? Yes. Or approximate top favorite, since it may or may not be ranked and it may or may not choose based on our mood, change based on our mood. Right. Okay. So if we're going to do our loosely top favorite of the year... Last. Last. Okay, I'm going to start with um, Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby then. Okay, I know that this was a book of the month book, and I know that after you read it, it was like, you were like pretty emotionally devastated. Yes, I think I put in the group chat, I really want you guys to read this book, but um, you emotionally may not be ready to read this book yet, so just just keep it in mind, because it did devastate me. Uh, It's just damn good contemporary. Uh, It was a heart-wrencher 
And it's really showing that there's no, like, true good or evil in our world. Like, there's just people doing what they feel they have to do. Um, and it was also a book that I didn't really have a lot of expectations for because it was book of the month. And so I didn't know a lot about it. I tend to not hear a lot about some of the book of the month book, book of the month club books. Like you hear about one big one, but then there's always like the next three or four are always kind of not on my radar. And this was one of them. And I ended up just really loving it. And I don't think I read a book for about four days afterwards because I just needed to sit with razor blade tears. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited to read it based on your recommendation. I just definitely know that I need to be in the right mood to be emotionally devastated. Yes. And I, that's why I'm giving the warning is because it was one of the more heavy books I read this year. And I, I didn't really have any warning. I tend not to read the summaries on book of the month. Or if I do, I forget about them by the time I get the book. So I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And I wanted to afford you guys the opportunity to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, very appreciated. My approximate fifth favorite book of the year is Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. I'm pretty sure I read it on the plane home from your place, Bailey. Um, and it is just absolutely like a magical modern fairy tale. It was so beautiful. I was so like entranced the entire time I was reading it. Like I could totally see this being a classic type of fairy tale in 15 years nice i'll have to give that a try because i i think i've seen it pop up on list and things but i've i haven't read it yet yeah i bought it basically because the cover was pretty as i buy most books i think i've made this joke before but you know the phrase don't judge a book by its cover and i almost exclusively judge books by their cover i was gonna say katie isn't that how you end up with a lot of books is you're like ooh, shiny thing uh, yeah, no, 100%. I buy way too many books and it's it's always by the cover, but I'm usually proven correct, or at least like reading it ends up being an enjoyable experience. But this one, it was just so like beautiful and whimsical and interesting. And it like was very much in line with a fairy tale that you could have grown up on, but it wasn't similar to any of the fairy tales that I grew up on, at least. So it was just a really lovely experiment experience. Nice. I think my next one is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. And I think we have beaten this horse into the ground uh, if you listened to our Spooky Season podcast. So I'm not going to rehash a whole lot of that, but I will say it definitely landed in my top books for this year. I read it in January, so it held on through 12 months. <laughs> yeah, that's really impressive that it, it hung onto your like top slots for that long. I... I'm still so excited to read it. I picked it up, I swear to God, eight times between spooky season and now. And I finally just had to like return it to the library. And like, it was like during my big reading slump in November and I like could not focus on it. I'm like, this is too like too highly recommended to me to just kind of push through. Like I need to just come back to this at a time that I am ready to read it. So yeah, and I am still very excited for that one as well. It's definitely not a slump buster. Like that's a category for later, but the only good Indians does not belong in the slump buster category. That's for sure. I would put in my approximate number four slot, actually a, a duology, Ray Bearer and Redemptor by Jordan Ifweko. Ray Bearer was one of my favorite fantasies that I had read in a really long time. And I think what's really interesting about Redemptor, the follow-up, 
is that the first book had like a moderately light tone and was like kind of playful and like whimsical and a little bit more leaning into like that fairy tale feel that I think Six Crimson Cranes had. And then Redemptor, like the characters had all gone through some shit. Like they had seen some shit. Wow. They had seen some shit. They were dealing with like stress and PTSD and it was just much more of a serious tone and much more of a stressful experience, but it really stuck the landing and it was a really interesting way to look at how these characters would have gone through that journey in like kind of a realistic way considering it's fantasy. Right. I have only read Raybearer. Um I have not yet read Redemptor, but I feel like Raybearer gets that more lighthearted thing because the characters are much younger. But they grow mm-hmm. up through the series, so I'm sure Redemptor brings better stakes or more, like, definable stakes in terms of, as you say, like, being a serious tone, more realistic. Yeah, definitely. In the first one, they are, like, growing up and, like, knowing that someday they'll take power. And then in Redemptor, they have taken power and also taken on, like, way more than they knew right. they would have to face. So it was really good. Stuck the landing. It was just an an excellent duology that I definitely recommend to everybody. I will definitely be taking um, a look at that and trying to read Redemptor. I listened to Ray Bearer on audiobook and it was a break from my normal audiobook type of books. And so I struggled with it a little bit. So I'll have to get like a a print, either ebook or print for um, Redemptor. Yeah, listening to fantasy, we've talked about listening to fantasy, um, especially like jumping into a new fantasy world with all of the terms you have to learn and just like trying to orient yourself. It can be really tough in audio if you're not in the right headspace. Right. And as we'll establish later, that has been my entire year. But I will also be picking uh, a set of two books, not quite a duology, for my next one, which is A Deadly Education and The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik. So... I think that I read both of them this year because I read A Deadly Education at the beginning of 2021 and then The Last Graduate came out a couple months ago and it's just a good YA slump buster. It's a bit of a romp even though it is like serious and there's some really dark undertones in the schoolmance but it just did it for me in terms of like returning to the kind of reading that I loved growing up um, and maybe a little bit more grown up and serious in that, but not, not by a whole lot. Um, and also she does nothing if not a cliffhanger that will make you throw the book at the end of both of those. So yeah, the cliffhangers in in those two books were really strong. I also read both of them this year. I also loved them. I really enjoyed them. I echo everything Bailey said about, um, them being like fun. They, they definitely had like kind of a more serious tone, but they paired that with just like a, like balls to the wall, crazy, like setting and plot um so it just kind of balanced out really well and it was a really fun set of reads and i am going to burn something down if we don't get the third one in a reasonable amount of time so i can figure out what the fuck happened in that cliffhanger seriously that made me so angry (laughs) so uh be warned if you start these there is a third book coming I think it already has a pub date, so you shouldn't have to, like, be sucked into the the Martin or the Rothfuss of it all, but uh, you will be stuck with a couple of cliffhangers. Oh, such is life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, that brings me to my approximate number three, and this is a nonfiction book, which is very rare for me to, to rank nonfiction up high. 
Um, but it is The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. It is a series of essays by John Green. It, I think, started as a podcast, and then he wrote a bunch of it up. And it is just like getting a cup of coffee with your smartest, oldest friend. It was so comforting and interesting and, like, totally beautiful in its empathy and humanity, as is pretty much everything both of the Green brothers do. Um, really proud of, of both Hank and John for, like, having quite a, uh, a resurgence in uh, 2020 and 2021, but I loved The Anthropocene Reviewed. I also read it and loved it. Um, I tend not to read a lot of nonfiction, so for me, the format of The Anthropocene Reviewed really made it click as, like, an enjoyable nonfiction and not what we tend to uh, dislike the genre for, which is being dry, which is is not something that I actually ascribe to. Um, It's just that it usually doesn't do it for me, but this one definitely did. All right, I guess that leaves my loosely second to cuz I didn't I again I didn't rank them. Um I think I'm going to go with The Wisdom of Crowds by Joe Abercrombie. So this is mm-hmm. an extension. This is part of a of a series, yeah. Yeah. So this is about the only um series, well, first of all, that we got this year. Um but also, it's about the only continuation of a series that really landed with me. I don't know what it was. Um, I think I have admitted this on the podcast, and I will do so again. Um, uh, Rhythm of War did not land for me. I, I didn't finish it. I have so far DNF'd Rhythm of War. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. This is just good old-fashioned, like, a whole bunch of long, convoluted plot story um, it's part of the Age of Madness series, which is loosely a continuation of the first Law series, basically. Um, and I just really, I was excited to get it. I got it. I read it pretty quickly for the sizes of what the book is and was very happy with it um, and, and ranking it pretty high this year. That's great. I'm really glad. I know how, how hard and disappointing it can be when continuations of series that you love don't kind of hang on to the mark yep but it's okay maybe one day i'll finish rhythm war or i will just wait for the next joe abercrombie book and i will die (laughs) waiting for rothfuss and martin Mm -hmm. literally i would just really i'm very sad do you want to do you might not want to like totally derail briefly but did you see peter dinklage's um words about how people received the last season of game of thrones no um he was like people need to get over the finale they're just mad that the pretty white people didn't get to ride off into the sunset oh yeah well, i was like peter my guy like i really like you but you are you are missing the mark yeah i that would definitely derail us if we were to talk about that for a long time <laughs> So uh, let's just move on to your number two, Katie. (laughs) Okay, my number two, we've talked about it. You know we love it. You know how good we think it is. It is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay. Um, I I still, like, remember vividly the experience I had while I was reading it. I know what I was doing. I, like, think back to the book a lot. I think back to, like, I, like, re-inhabit the space I was in when I was first reading it. Um, I think it's just beautiful i mean we we did a whole episode about it you know how we feel about it 
highly no. recommend it. For sure. It, my, that was definitely up there for me. Um, and so I solidly agree with that placement. We'll go with my final one. Uh, we Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. Mm-hmm. So, what a good choice. Yeah. It uh, Again, just uh, classic fantasy, really, for me. Getting in there. Um, and I, I loved the concept and the story felt fresh. I don't know that it was what Book Talk sold it as, which is obviously how I first heard about it. Um, but this that, that makes me love it more because I... I liked the slower build to everything. Um, So I can't wait for more from that series. But I think it's taking one of my top spots this year. And I remember going out and getting the second one like as quickly as possible because I was like, I need to know what happens. Mm -hmm. I I love that feeling for a book and I, I also really enjoyed this one it was near the top for me but so I'm glad that it made major top list uh, and then probably my top read of the year is The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake um, this just like Firekeeper's Daughter I like remember the feelings I was having when I was reading it I read it um, at Bailey's house which yes. was fun so it's one of one of the few print books that I read this year actually funny enough I read about um, about ten percent of the books I read this year were print books, but two of them made my top five. And um, and you don't even own it anymore it, because you immediately ordered a new copy and gave me yours. Yeah, you're right. I do, I don't own the one that I read at your house. I do own another copy of it now, and I'll own two more in 2022 when it is re-released on um, through tour, a new hardback, and um, on uh, audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. This book just, it just did things to me. It was such a, like, a a weird mix of character-driven high fantasy. It's like, it's like if Harry Potter were, like, way more serious, but also way more introspective. And I, like, I hate comparing things to Harry Potter, but I think that might be why it had, like, such a profound effect to me. Like, this book just did things to me. I really, I really loved it. I'm really excited for um, all of the future additions and adaptations it's you sent me a link that it's going to be adapted into like a movie or a tv show or something yeah um, and i think it's going to do really well as that so i uh, i enjoyed it yeah i didn't chase that down too much to like verify the veracity of it or anything but like very i think it'll go over very well and i i also distinctly remember where i was the first time i read it because it was katie coming giving me the book like you need to read this and so that i made that the next <laughs> thing that i read um <laughs> It's it's very good. It's definitely uh, not something I necessarily expected to like as much as I did, but it did it did land really well. Um, so, do we want to try and pick like favorites for like the podcast, like a combined favorite, or like I mean, uh, the obvious crossover is Firekeeper's Daughter. Yeah, I think that Firekeeper's Daughter is a strong contender to be named like Prose Tinted Pods favorite of the year. Um, also, Legendborn, although that was released in 2020, and then I see you wrote here, does Percy Jackson count? And I think absolutely it does. I really enjoyed rereading Percy Jackson this year. I had yes. such a good time with it. So, And I started rereading it, too, because you enjoyed it so much. So that's why I put it mm-hmm. on there, is because I ended up reading, like, four Percy Jackson books, having had no prior plans to, but just because they were readily available. They're, like, I think I read two of them on the plane on a plane ride, because I was like, oh, this is easy. Mm-hmm. Pe- 
They're so fast. I mean, they're they're like middle grade, but they're they're so well done. I, have you been reading or have you been listening to uh, the newest Olympian, which uh, is our our, our buddy Shubes's new yeah. podcast? Yeah, for sure. I've been. Listening. And I say buddy, we do not know him. We just like him. Right. I mean, if we did know Shubes, um, he would be on this podcast at some point. Oh, a hundred percent. So maybe one day, Mike Schubert, if you're listening, you're welcome to come on Pros Tinted Glasses. <laughs> Anytime, standing invitation. Um. But yeah, it's it's been a really fun time to to reread them and then to listening to him reading them for the first time and just kind of like re-experience just something that, again, I wasn't like a full child when I read it, but like meant a lot to me when I was younger. I, yeah, I was definitely like the, closer to the target audience back then than I am now uh, due to how time works. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think I think Percy Jackson counts. Um, I'm sorry to all the Pride and Prejudice stands out there. It does not make the cut for the podcast favorite book of the year. <laughs> Rip to Emily, right? Um, but yeah, I I think that probably if we're gonna do like our favorite that was actually published in 2021, that's I feel clearly Firekeeper's Daughter. Yes, I think Legendborn makes a strong contender for for the other favorite book that we read in 2021, and I think Percy Jackson's just kind of like a fun wild card nostalgia experience, babe. Absolutely. So. Um, does that mean we want to go into our least favorite now? Ooh, uh, I guess. I mean, we might as well. It's a little bit less fun, but I mean, we love to rant, so it's still pretty good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We do love a good rant, and there is a rant I forgot that I would be making when <laughs> we started gathering this episode, and that is The Hunting Wives. I didn't even bother to look up the author's name because I was like, I don't uh, care. It's Make it's Maycob, and I, I just remember that. I don't know why. It just stuck in my brain, maybe because I, I felt so strongly about I this mean, book. I, and just, I feel like I've said this before. I am pretty easy to please. Um, I like most things like even if I don't end up loving the book like I usually will have an enjoyable experience reading a book I did not enjoy reading The Hunting Wives at all I do not leave reviews on Goodreads I don't use the platform like that I don't care to use the platform like that and I left a review for this book because it was so bad I ended up hate reading it and I remember because I was in Los Angeles in the hotel room texting Katie like are you fucking kidding me? What is happening? Is this book for real? And both of us going and reading reviews that mention nothing about what happened and being like, how how is no one else having a problem with this? Why is it just the two of us? And well, and so you were texting me about how much you hated it. And I had gotten it from book of the month. Just kind of I didn't I don't think anything really resonated with me that month. And so my default is just like, okay, get the thriller. So I had it as a physical book but I had not started it or whatever and so Bailey mentioned it to me and so I read it on my couch within about three hours so we were like texting back and forth about it and it was very bad yes that's all I just that takes top contender for a podcast's least favorite book and then I think yeah, I actually don't think it has any competition for for the <clears throat> combined podcast least favorite book. Honestly, it doesn't even have any competition for like my individual least favorite book. It is like <laughs> it's the Mariana Trench and the rest of these books are just like the bottom of the harbor, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not yeah. that low. I just didn't love them. I think we talked about it in a brief segment on an episode or did I make that up? And we, no, like, I, I'm pretty sure we once. did. I would be I'll okay. be interested to learn if I said the exact same thing because I do feel like I did. But <laughs> 
Well, just to recap, there was some very weird, problematic lady sleeping with teenage boy action happening. Um, And then even just, like, beyond the problematic parts of the book, it was just not good or interesting. Right. It was, like, unreliable narrator, except that the reason the narrator was unreliable is because she was a fucking drunk. And so the the trope didn't work. I don't know. Anyway. Well... Another book that I did not like, like I said, Bottom of the Harbor versus the Mariana Trench. Um, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Susanna Collins. Which is which is the, the like follow-up prequel to Hunger Games, is that right? Yes. It's like written after, obviously, but it is a prequel about President Snow. It was like it was like she got paid by the word like Charles Dickens. Like this <laughs> book was so long and for what? And for what? That's such a good burn. I may be sick, but so are my burns. (laughs) I so I reread the Hunger Games trilogy this year, and I believe I talked about on the pod how much it fucking wrecked me. Yes, and I just had absolutely no interest in reading this prequel. So I'm glad that you took one for the team here, Bailey. I didn't want to take one for the team because I the premise of it was very interesting, but it. It was so long and so little happened and it it didn't make sense within the context of the greater story in my opinion. So I ugh. did it like explain why he sucks so much or are you supposed to empathize with him at any point? That's the thing. It was supposed to explain why he sucked so much but you were somehow still supposed to empathize with why. And I don't. I just don't. You know what? I I truly love an unlikable character i it does not make any sense to me when people leave reviews on a book where the protagonist sucks and we're like why would anyone enjoy this book the protagonist sucks like yeah that's that's the point my guy but you can't do that with a character who's like an already established villain of an existing series and i think because the original series was written the way that it was you had a one-dimensional villain that you then tried to give dimension and it didn't work. So I I didn't think that that was a good book, but I, and and in talking to other people who'd read it, I don't think it worked well for many people. Well, I'm glad that I have not read it. I probably will continue to not read it. Um I literally the only other book I could put on our least favorite book cuz like I said, it takes a lot for me to like really dislike a book even if I didn't have a great time or even if I thought it was bad like reading is an enjoyable act to me so um but this book i actually i liked okay it was fine um but i wrote down this is the pettiest reason that i didn't like a book this year and it's because um in the henna wars they made like a dumb 2012 taylor swift dates too many men joke and it made me really angry and i actually i think i initially rated it really low because i was just super pissed and i went back and like no it was probably like a like a 3.5 stars but like I didn't like that joke, but the book was, like, fine. Yeah, but still, like, that's a... You're right, that joke doesn't... We don't need that anymore. We're done. We can move on. Uh, We can move on to Ready Player Two, which I don't know what I expected from Ready Player Two, but... um, Yeah, I was honestly, like, surprised and impressed that you picked it up to read. I... Because I have this thing where I feel like I should finish a series, even if, like, it takes a lot for me to not finish a series, but uh, it turns out Ready Player Two had all of the bad parts of Ready Player One and not a single one of the slightly redeemable qualities of it. 
Yeah, like, Ready Player One was, like, a mess, and it was, like, kind of bad, but it was at least, like, fun and nostalgic. And I don't feel like that was able to work a second time around. I really just think that it didn't, so um, that's all I have to say about that. And then Where'd You Go, Bernadette um, by Maria Semple is, like, my final book that I just really didn't like that I read this year. I, I was, I remember when you, like, first brought that that up, I was a little surprised. I remember reading it a few years ago. I don't know exactly when I read it, but I, I thought it was just, like, a cute, quick, like, funny, satirical read. Um, and the movie was also just, like, I don't know, it was, like, a, a movie that was on one time that I saw that was, like, fine. I think I just let my frustration at, like, the way the character is written just color the entire experience of the book, like... The character of Bernadette was so frustrating and you were reading it from her point of view where she's like doing things and purposefully obfuscating what she's doing to other people and other people are like, I don't get her. And she's like, people don't get me. And I just like thought it was very dumb and I didn't buy into this at all. So I don't know. I mean, that's fair. Uh Totally entitled to that. Like I said, um, it, it doesn't even rate compared to The Hunting Wives. I wrote it down before you reminded me <laughs> that The Hunting Wives existed. So, like, it, Yeah, I was, like, shocked that... I'm, like, impressed that you were ma- you had managed to put that out of your brain because I was shocked that it was not the first one that you wrote down. Yeah, no, I know. Me too. I, like, must have glossed over it when I was looking at my list. But, again, like I said, it doesn't even rank next to The Hunting Wives. And, honestly, it barely even ranks next to Ballad of Songbird, Songbird and Snakes and Ready Player 2. Like, it just... I just didn't enjoy it, I guess. Maybe maybe it should have gone into um, the books with high hopes that didn't land category and not the books that didn't hate or books that I hated because, like, books with high hopes that didn't land was more like, yeah, Where'd You Go, Bernadette was recommended to me by a fair number of people and I just I just ended up not liking it very much. So, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that can be our crossover. That can be our transition. <laughs> Do you want to transition straight there? Do you want to kind of go through stats first and then kind of end on that? Uh, we can do stats. Okay, let's talk just kind of generally about stats. Um, Bailey, I know you don't really rate books, but do you do you set goals? Like, what stats do you keep track of? So, in previous years, I've just used the Goodreads um, challenge to kind of keep track of the number of books that I've read. This is the first year that I've kept a spreadsheet Frankly, I don't know if I'm going to keep up with a spreadsheet because it was fun to see it all. But I also, by the end of the year, was finding myself like adding six to ten books at a time because I just put it off for the whole month. And that was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, But I I do try to set goals. Uh, This year I set the goal of reading 100 books with no repeats. So, so like, oh... That's another thing, like, I don't rate books, and if we're counting towards a goal, I don't count books that I've read more. Like, if I'm reading it a second time, I don't count it. I did record that in, like, the spreadsheet, but in, like, the count on, like, Goodreads, I didn't double down on books. So I did break my goal of reading 100 books. I think I've read 104 new books. I was going to say novel books. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's good. It's a good pun. You should have said it. Oh, it's okay. I'm perfectly fine not saying it. And then um, I think I've read 117 books total, um, not in- or including all of the rereads. But I will say at least one of those rereads was Priory of the Orange Tree, which I feel like is a pretty 
pretty hefty book to have reread and not really count in that like OG stat. Um, what about you, Katie, and your goals? I know that they <laughs> changed. Yeah, they do change. So I this is the first year that I've ever really kept up with or like recorded books that I read. Previously, I just like read a book, moved on, may or may not have remembered ever reading it. You know, maybe I could check if it was in my Audible history. Um, but I just, it was just not something that I'd ever thought about. And I saw this spreadsheet template on TikTok um, about this time last year, and I thought it would be really fun. And Bailey and I had been talking about doing the podcast, and I was like, well, this would be a really fun way. I love spreadsheets. I love Excel. I'm an idiot that way. And I was like, this would be a really fun way to keep track of stuff th- this year. So I set it up and um, I was like, I'm not going to be a crazy person. I'm going to set my goal. Like, I have no concept because I've never kept track. I have no concept of how many books I'm going to read. So I'm just going to set my goal at 30, which feels really, really reasonable. So that was my original goal at the beginning of the year. (laughs) 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 And uh, I quickly found that the, like, gamification of, like, adding books to spreadsheets gave me lots of serotonin. um, And very quickly it spiraled out of control um this and is so, an like, i had read yeah i mean I'll, I'll go into like how quickly it spiraled out of control but like i had read 30 books by mid-march and that like i continued i like ended up probably doubling my pace for the rest of the year um comparatively like um january through march i averaged 12 books a month and then april through december i averaged 23 books a month <laughs> so like I really I was like having so much fun adding stuff to spreadsheets seeing the numbers go up seeing how my stats were changing um, I just really enjoyed that and the other thing is that I have always listened to this amount of audio in the past but it's always been much much more heavily weighted towards podcasts um, I listened to so many podcasts in 2020 and in 2021 I barely kept up with any of my podcasts because all of that time was going towards audiobooks yes i would i would message katie about a podcast that in the year 2020 we had both listened to and it'd be like a week later it'd be like oh did you listen to this episode yet and she'd be like i haven't listened to that in like a month and a half and i was like oh because i i I had a year of podcasts 2021 was my year of podcasts we'll get into that but katie's was a year of audiobooks Mm -hmm, totally and so like probably mid February where it became very clear that I was going to meet my goal of 30 books. I was like, well, I'll just up my goal because I want it to be like chat. Like I want to be able to meet it, but I want it to be like an actual challenge. Like it's no fun if I meet my goal in March. So like I upped my goal to 50 books and then to hundred books and then to like 150 books. And my goal currently is sitting at 250 books of which I have read 247. Um, and I don't, I don't know for sure if I'm going to get all three books in before the 31st. Um, okay. I, I wouldn't think you not be surprised either way. Anyway. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like really annoyed a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, cause I had a big slump in um, November. I only read seven books in November. Only. Only. Um, but it was, it was a big reading slump for me. I was really busy at work. So I like couldn't listen at all at work, um, which normally I'm able to do during, um, I have a lot of tasks that are like manual tasks and so when I'm doing that like my brain can go be somewhere else and I couldn't do that at all in November and so in November I was like oh no I might might not make my goal um and so I've kind of made peace with it but I was like annoyed with it I was like I'm not gonna make my goal as if I hadn't changed my goal specifically to accommodate higher goals right 
<laughs> I was going to say, I, now that you say that, I think that my original goal was 75, um, but Kelly's mom commented on my Goodreads challenge when I hit 75 and was like, you need to up your challenge, Bailey. So. <laughs> and you did, and you met it. Yes. So, way to go. I mean, I anticipated meeting it, but yeah, this was definitely a year of, like, podcasts for me. A lot of times when I'm running, <laughs> which, by the way, I don't think we ever updated anybody. I did complete the marathon. I'm alive. I'm here. Woohoo! She killed it. She crushed it. We're very I proud. I sent them all pictures of me flipping off the crowd. Um, <laughs> I also gave them, like, like every six-mile updates, um, and one of which I think just said, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, I was really annoyed. I could, I could never get the, like, tracker app to work because I was trying to track you and I couldn't get it to work, so I'm really glad that you were able to send us updates. I only did so that because- So clearly you weren't-, you weren't you weren't dying enough to not send updates, which was a good sign. Right. I only sent the updates because you guys were like, the tracker doesn't work. So anyway, um, a lot of times when I run in previous years, I've picked like a book series and that has been like my audiobook series for the training cycle. But this year I somehow got locked in on podcasts and I tried so many, I tried to listen to so many books and I just never got into it. And I would get like annoyed halfway through a run, not quite halfway. I would get annoyed like an hour into a run and have to change it because I still had like two to th- to three hours to run and I'm like I cannot listen to this book for the next two and a half hours I just I, I'm already gonna lose my mind I don't want to expedite the loss of my mind um <laughs> so I did I did not get a lot of audiobooks I only listened to 23 audiobooks this year mm-hmm yeah, so we had very opposite journeys in that regard but I, I think that at the end of the day I think we probably listened to a a comparable amount of audio it's just yours was much more heavily weighted towards podcasts oh, and mine yeah. was much more heavily weighted towards audiobooks i listened to like the entire back catalog of like two two um podcasts this year so I, i'm not worried about my audio consumption it just didn't contribute to this particular set of statistics mm-hmm. <laughs> yep so anyway that's kind of just like the main stat stat school setting um uh, do you, does your spreadsheet, is it set up to talk to, um, track diversity stats? So it has them, but not in the same format. I think that you are much more adept. I don't, okay. I don't think that you're much more adept at Excel than me. I know <laughs> you're much more oh, adept gosh. at Excel than me. So I basically left this spreadsheet the way it came. And I think you mm-hmm. changed yours to present the diversity statistics in another way. For example, I'm certain my data tells me both like I could make it tell me the percentage of gender and race at the same time. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like trying to figure it out today because I don't feel great today. Um, so I can yeah, tell you totally that like fair. I read mostly women mm-hmm. um, and I, but I can't tell you what percentage of what the women were. For sure. Yeah. I, I was really excited about the diversity stats. I think that Um, I have been trying to be really mindful about reading more diversely. And what I've been trying to be really careful of is to prevent getting a mindset of like, oh, if I like I'm getting a good grade at diversity, like I think that kind of defeats the purpose. You know, it's the whole good place thing about like, if you're doing it just to get a good grade, like you're not doing it for the right reasons like so like does it even really count right so i have been trying really hard to not gamify the diversity stats um and it like early on it was it was a struggle because i was like oh like i've been doing a good job like i'm reading a lot of black authors i'm reading a lot of 
Latinx authors. Um, and I'm like, but I'd really like to find some more Middle Eastern authors to like get that stat up. And I was like, that is not really the mindset. Like, I, I'm not trying to make it all even. I'm just trying to find a way to make sure that I am like consuming a diverse media diet. Right. <laughs> and so what I kind of finally landed on, and this wasn't until like a couple of months ago that I really like had this light bulb, is what I've called the white lady index. And so I have my goal overall is to read um, less like 50% or, or less of people who would have like, quote unquote, the same mindset as me. So like white ladies from the United States. So I have a stat of like, to- how many total white like books by white ladies I've read, how many total books by US white ladies I have read, and then um, how many total books by like, white ladies outside of the US. And then how many I also tracked how many white men I have read, basically just trying to keep the US white ladies to under 50% has been my goal. Right. And I feel like it is hard because when you say like, oh, I want to read more of this person or this this voice, it can sound a little bit like, yeah, you're like trying to to beat the stat or whatever. But truly, it's like trying to find that balance between making sure you're consciously choosing to find new voices to listen to because, uh, you know, a lot that's going on in this world doesn't always want us to, to find those. And that's definitely something that's being talked about is that it's hard to find the, the diverse choices um, and that's not because we don't want to read them, but yeah, my, my stats are not broken out in that way. Um, I have just tried to be really conscious when I look at new books, I don't just automatically reach for, um, the, as you said, Katie, uh, someone who might have the same experience and voice as me, a white lady from the U S. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when we look back at some of the stuff that we've read when we were younger and we did that episode on revisiting it a lot of what we read back then was just like white people from the U S because that's what was available and popular. But luckily now there are so many good books that we're able to learn about and read from people with other backgrounds. Yeah. I was really excited as I was like going through trying to like pick my top five list. So many of the books that like got really close to that top five are YA fantasy written by non-white ladies. Um, like, Legend Board could have made that list. I almost, like, surprise added Sky Hunter by Marie Lu, which was so good, um, which I recommend. Um, it's, there's just such a, a much more diverse offering in that field that, like, we grew up on. For, right. For the people that are that age now. And that's what I love so much is that it is, like, and I think one of the only reasons Legendborn didn't make it is I didn't read Legendborn this year. I read it in 2020 when it came out. <laughs> so, like, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't count it for this year. <laughs> um, but as as established, like, that is definitely a high-ranking pod book overall that we did talk about this year. Um, for sure, yeah. And I think the other thing that this, like, diversity statistics thing has helped me personally with is that I have noticed that when I am, like, really stressed or in a reading slump and I just, like, pick up a book, like, kind of on a whim just because it feels like it'll be comforting, I am still gravitating towards, like, romances by white ladies or thrillers by white ladies. And so that is something that I've, I've really gotten to learn about myself. And now I can look to, like, how do I find that sense of comfort elsewhere and how do I make sure that like I am I am diversifying my my content in like that space as well so I really I feel grateful to have learned that this year and I'm excited to to see how it changes next year 
that might be one of the reasons I track is just to see trends over years of all the things. Um, but I will say one of the stats I do have is that 40% of my books classified as having representation of queer people, mm-hmm. which was exciting. I have 32% of the books I read this year had LGBTQIA plus representation, which I was also very excited about. I mean, like we did a whole episode on like the changes in that. So I feel like we don't need to like fully revisit how that's changed. But it was exciting to see like that number on page that like that's how accessible these books are now. Mm -hmm. And even like I feel like at the beginning of the year, I started out seeking them out because I felt like I had not seen a lot of it previously. But now like truly just like naturally 30% or more of the books that I pick up have that representation and it's so great. I will say that one of my more like fun stats this year is that in January I read 6,000 pages and in October I read 1,500 pages. (laughs) So you could see that (laughs) steep decline in reading time. Mm -hmm. Yeah that um that crazy, like, f- first-year push, you probably also got at least some serotonin at the beginning of the year from adding to your spreadsheets. Yes, and also, like, back in January 2021, we didn't have a vaccine. It was cold. It was winter. Um, COVID was still, like, very much a thing, and I didn't go out. One Saturday, I read all of The Evening in the Morning by Ken Follett in a single sitting. That's insane. I never claimed it was not. Okay, cool. I- well, I'm glad we're, we're both pretty insane, at least. I also, I think I read To Sleep in a Sea of Stars in one sitting as well. Like, the, <laughs> anyway, that's why January was so crazy. And then October was like, um, I was spending every Saturday morning running for like three hours. One of my best friends got married. Like, there was just no time to read books. So October really was a low point. Although, I don't know. Um, I did read 80% print books, and I my favorite stat is that I learned that you can rate books in your Excel, Google spreadsheet however you want, and you don't have to use whole numbers. <laughs> you can use decimals. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can do whatever you want. I, um, I've always done, like, quarter, because you can rate quarter stars on Storygraph, which is what I use, and I've always just matched my rating to, to both so that I can track it in both places. I... I read um, nine physical books, one ebook, and 237 audiobooks. This is followed um, by a I lowercase read... LOL in the notes, which um, really underlines the psychosis. It, it really, it was a crazy year. I don't think I'm going to, you know, there have been times this year where I'm like, I could easily read 300 books in a year. And then I'm like, there have been times where I'm like, why would I want to? Right. Um, so we'll kind of, we'll see how next year shakes out psychosis wise. Um, but I spent, uh, 920, like, actual hours listening to 2,580 total hours of audiobook. Because, again, I listen on, like, 3x speed, usually. So, um, my average speed for all of the audiobooks I listened to was 2.8. Because I didn't really realize how fast I could go until about March. Um, I was still listening. My uh, average audiobook speed for January was still 1.6. Oh. So, um, to compare, my average audiobook speed now is 3.3. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. I have no words. Mm-hmm. I have no fucking words. Yeah. Um, I'm a super crazy person. It's okay. Uh, I read 11 nonfiction books, but I gave them an average rating of 4.45. My, like, overall average rating is 4.16. So, I think it proves that I pick really good nonfiction books, or I really enjoy them when I pick them. 
Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, again, I don't really rate. And as you were saying, you like match your story graph to your spreadsheet, but I don't believe in rating on Goodreads. So I don't have any ratings there except on the hunting wives. Um, so I didn't do an average, but I bet it's pretty, well, it might be on here. It might just naturally be on here. Average rating. Sure is. 4.18. Wow. Again, no, though. That's very similar. Like, I didn't realize that you could decimal rate, and I pretty much stuck to half stars. So, like, a majority of my books fall between, like, three and a half and four and a half books. Although I have 37 five-star books. Wow. I only have, um, I think it's 19 five-star books, but seven of those are rereads. So I only rated 12 new reads five stars this year. I suspect that a number of my five-star books might have been four and a half later in the year when I realized that I could rate them whatever the heck I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the world will never That's know. That's fair. <laughs> so. Nor do they need to. Your ratings are your business. I know how you feel about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't, and then, like, uh, the four nonfiction books that I read, I don't know, um, The Anthropocene Reviewed obviously took top spot, so I think the rest aren't even, mm-hmm. I, I listened to, um, A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost after oh, yeah. they told me in the group chat who Colin Jost was, because I did <laughs> not know. I love Colin Jost, he's my favorite boring white guy that's it that's what you said something about that i was like i don't know who this man is and you're like read his memoir and i was like okay (laughs) why (laughs) not emotional support he's my emotional support non-problematic white guy with a very punchable face with a very punchable face yes um i i read authors from 20 different countries which i'm very excited about and um my most read author of the year i read 18 books by rick riordan I read the Percy Jackson series, the Heroes of Olympus series, the Trials of Apollo series, and the the one about Norse, Norse mythology. Magnus Chase. I don't know. Magnus Chase. Yeah, I feel like um, Lee Berdugo gave uh, an early run for Rick Riordan's money, but he came he came back in the latter half of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely started off the year with like nine Lee Berdugo books in a row almost. Right. And then I was like, I'll read all of Percy Jackson. Yes. I did not delve into my stats that deep yet, so I don't have any any fun info on, like, who my most read author was. I I basically made a new... the How I've been keeping track of, of author diversity is I had to make a new sheet that, um, like, basically, com- like, smashes all their information together. Yeah. Um, and then to prevent them from being there multiple times, I, like, go in and manually delete it. It's not a, like... I'm good at Excel. I have not tried very hard. I did. I like figured this out, and I was like, "This works," um, and then I stopped trying. So gotcha. But anyway, that's, that's why I have all that information. It's okay. I'm just saying. Um, anything else you want to talk about with stats before we move on to um, a few more wrap up books? No. Yeah, I think that that covered most of my statistical things. I've I've had a really good time um, keeping the spreadsheet. I'm definitely. I should have probably already tweaked it for 2022, and I haven't yet. So you have five days. I'm sure I'll do that next weekend. Yeah, um, but it, it's just been really fun and nice to like track it this way. I think it's it's been interesting. It's been cool that I've gotten to kind of tailor it to what stats I want. Um, it's just I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I think one thing we didn't cover is our top genres. Uh, our top two were the same: fantasy and then contemporary. 
And then mm-hmm. I had mystery thriller, whereas Katie had romance. And then she and had then mystery thriller. And then she had mystery thriller. And my final category was sci-fi, but by like a long drop down. Mm-hmm. Um, fantasy and contemporary are definitely our top this year. Mm-hmm. So oh, for sure. Do we want to talk about like books with high hopes that didn't land? Or books that we yeah, picked up I on a whim so. or that we ended up liking. Like, which do we want to start let's, with? Let's start low and end high. So let's start with books that we we had really high hopes for that didn't land. Um, one of mine that I read probably the earliest this year that just, like, didn't do it for me was Mexican Gothic. Um, I was really excited for that book. And I I think it had a lot of potential. And I what I really liked about it is that it was written in a style... Like, it it sounded like it could have come out of, like, the 1850s or whatever. Like, just the prose, the way it was written. I really enjoyed that. Um, Story-wise, it just didn't do it for me. That's fair. I mean, I obviously highly recommended that to the group. And I think, so far, like, you're the only one that's read it. And it was, it didn't go over as well. So maybe I just got suckered in by the the atmosphere created by the prose. Well, and, and also to be fair, I, like I had been meaning to read it, like I had seen it recommended in other places. Right. I'm not it, saying it was it's not all just because your recommendation. Of me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, not your fault. I think another one that got me was like The Lost Apothecary. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of controversial to say, I guess. I I don't know. I it was so hyped up, and I think that's what it was, is that it was so hyped up. The cover was so pretty. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the um dual timeline really worked Mm -hmm. see interestingly i i did really enjoy the lost apothecary i agree it did not live up to how beautiful the cover is the cover is so beautiful the cover like i saw it and i was like instant buy must have that book um and i agree it's not as good as as the cover is good but i did really enjoy that one yeah that's fair i just think it didn't it didn't live up to what I thought it would be, and that's really what this is about. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that it was like terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Totally fair. And then uh, my my next one would be I read um, both of Sally Rooney's first two books this year, and uh, I don't know, man. Like I think maybe if I had read them in high school, I would have been insufferable about them. Um, but a- as a twenty eight year old lady, uh, they didn't do it for me. That's fair. I have not read any of them, so and I don't plan on it, especially not after they've made it on this list. <laughs> I'll let you know. I, I have her third one. I'll still read it, and I'll, I need to watch the TV shows. There's one TV show already out about normal people, and then you may be surprised to hear that I have interest in this. Conversations with Friends is coming out, and it stars Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Um, so I will definitely be watching that. Fair. And maybe I'll get things out of it that I didn't from the book. That could happen. Um, and then we both read the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sure is a book that we have read. That now. sure fucking is. I... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Bailey and I have talked about this in uh, at length. Like yeah. on our, yeah, offline. And it's just... It's such an interesting concept, and a lot of things were really well done and interesting, but just as a whole, I had no fucking clue what was going on at in that book. At no point. It was really weird. At no point did I expect <laughs> any of the things that happened. And, like, <laughs> truly. Honestly, you didn't even need vampires for any of that. Like, you could have just made him, like, 
a serial killer, and the book would not have changed a bit. No, it would not have changed at all. And, like, he was not a vampire as we, like, traditionally think about vampires. So, like, that even that makes it even more questionable as to why it had to be a, a vampire. It was, like, a human sac- I Anyway, I don't know. We're going to sidetrack, and I don't want to spend too long <laughs> talking about this book. Because that's not really the point today is, like, a brief overview of stuff. But, like... Yeah. I, it, Suffice it, to say, it, it baffled us. It it really did. And I didn't hate it the entire time I was reading it. And, like, I could picture these, like, 80s Southern women, <laughs> these, like, 90s Southern women, like, perfectly. And I just... Mm-hmm. It just... Yeah. It just baffled me. Another book that we both read and uh, didn't quite land with expectations yeah. is Neon Gods. Yeah. And... I think that's because Neon Gods was um, unexpectedly just smut, which, (laughs) to be clear, is perfectly fine. I just really had no idea until I started reading it on a plane and was like, uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was quite clearly, like, just smut. What killed me about that book is Bailey and I agreed that if, if, like, the last hundred pages, if it was more about, like, the politics and stuff that that the last hundred pages was about, I think I would have really enjoyed it. Right. Um, and I, instead it was just, like, nonsense and then smut and then, like, wrap up all the political shit. Right. Like, the the bones of an actual good story were there. And instead mm-hmm. we just had, like, a bunch of exhibitionism scenes, which, like, again, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. It just wasn't what I expected. And I think that there was potential for there not to be, like, I genuinely wanted the story that wasn't the sex hmm Yeah. Like, I, I'm not anti-spice. I am not the intended audience for spice most of the time. Right. Um, I get my spice. I Like, I seek spice out when I want it. And when I don't want it, I would just like to read a book, please. Right. And I think that's what made this, like, made Neon Gods, Neon Gods frustrating for both of us is that, like, neither of us were really going into that for spice. And we went into it for the story and we came out with, like, Still wanting the story, but not having been satisfied by the spice. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I don't know. Exactly. And then the last one that you have written down here, Bailey, is Plain Bad Heroines, which I have not read. I have seen good things about, so I'm, I'm sad to hear that it didn't land. What's the deal with that one? I think it was just convoluted and long. And I don't know that it needed to be either of those things on such a level. The... The basis of it, I really liked, but I don't think that, I mean, it's like the the story of Mary McLean, and it's like a dual timeline again, and it's telling you the story of, like, the original characters and then these new characters who are, like, filming a movie, um, and I just don't think that, I just didn't think that it landed for me, and I don't have any particular glaring reason for why I felt like it except for that it was meandering and at times borderline nonsensical with what was going on Mm, that is sad to hear that doesn't mean you won't like it but I I didn't I I might still pick it up depending like maybe if it's on if it's uh available immediately at at the library sometime or if I if it's on sale at audible I might still pick it up but I mean it's yeah it it happens um and then on the opposite side of the spectrum we have books that we picked up on a whim or just because it was readily available and turns out we really liked them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to start with the one that you wrote in parentheses, you're going to murder me for? Yeah, sure. Sure can. Um, It's it's the Atlas Six. Uh-huh. Which we, we know I like. You know, I, when you wrote that, you're going to murder me, I really thought that you were going to put it in the books with high hopes that didn't land. And like, I would have been pretty sad about that. But I, like, I don't no, mind that you it, didn't have high hopes for it at first. Yeah, it was more like you told me to read it. And it definitely was more your type of book. And I had never mm-hmm. really heard of it. So I had no expectations going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know I put on the notes low, and I guess low was the wrong word. I had, like, none because I knew nothing about it. And so when I ended up really mm-hmm. liking it, it made this list. It's not because I thought it was going to be a bad book. It's because I didn't know anything about it. And, I like, I you are definitely more on, like, the character-driven side of, of books than I am. I'm, I, you know, I'm a slut for plot. So, um... <laughs> I, it just made that list because of that, and I said you were going to murder me because you obviously love that book so much, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to. I didn't want to even indirectly talk <laughs> shit about it by putting it in the like books we ended up thinking were good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I if anything, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised because I finished it and I like I knew immediately that like this is not going to be a book for everybody. Like it really, really resonated with me. Um, I obviously, I mean, I could talk about it forever, but we, you know, you don't need to hear it again. <laughs> um, but like, I- I'm glad that you you ended up liking it, even if not quite to the same level that I liked it. So yeah. I'm definitely not going to murder you, at least not for this. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> but speaking of murder, excellent transition. Good job, Katie. Um, one of the books that I picked up on a whim again, 100 percent because of the cover. It was just cute. But it's called Finley Donovan is killing it. It happened to be sitting right next to me, so I'm going to show it to Bailey because oh, look how cute, cute the cover is. It is cute. Um. It- it's about um, Finley Donovan is an author who, like, writes murder mysteries, I guess. And she's, like, talking to her publisher at a Panera and is like, I don't know what my next murder mystery is going to be. And they, like, are, like, brainstorming a bunch of murders and somebody in the Panera overhears them and thinks that she's a hitman um, and uh, contracts her to kill her husband. And hijinks ensue. And it was very funny. I do like that. That is fun. Um, yeah, I just picked it up totally, totally on a whim, and it was a really delightful read. That's fun. I'll have to read it. I think the the big the biggest surprise for me that I ended up liking, the X Hex. I also am surprised you ended up liking that. Surprised and delighted because you're not you're not a huge rom com type, type. Not of at book all. Like normally, girl. I I don't enjoy. I mean, I think every other rom com I've tried to read, I like don't get more than 50 pages in before i'm texting you guys like what is this stupid protagonist (laughs) doing but the Mm -hmm. x-hex yeah you get really annoyed by how stupid protagonists are which is fair um the x-hex managed to just be like cute and witchy enough that i didn't end up hating it and uh that is not necessarily that doesn't make it sound great but i promise i actually like really liked it um and it was fun and i'm glad i got to read like a witchy rom-com and i i suppose that I'll have to give more rom-coms a try, but I can say that um, I did try to watch The Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, before Christmas <laughs> the other day, and I will be staying away from that type of rom-com because, guys, <laughs> I was so angry. I quoted Chaucer in Middle English in the group chat. She did. We have we have screenshot proof. Um, you are, I think you're wrong. I think The Night Before Christmas is is delightful, but that's fine. <laughs> no. Anyways, uh, The Girls I've Been is a book we both <laughs> the girls read. I've been. Yeah, I really liked that one. 
I actually really liked it too. I know you read it first and told me to read it. And so I listened to it and it was just such a, I, the stakes in it were so high in the scenario they were in, but I felt like in the other bits and pieces of storytelling were so well done. I forgot about the high stakes of the like present situation type thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And it's another book that I I just saw and liked the cover and I saw it was a thriller and I like thrillers Um, and it was a YA thriller. And I don't think there are that many well done YA thrillers. Um, So I just, again, picked it up on a whim and really enjoyed it. Recommended it to to you. It was just fun. It's got so many tropes that I'm such a sucker for. Like, I love a bank heist. I love a con man. I love, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think we might have mentioned this before on the pod, but they're turning it into a movie starring yes. Millie Bobby Brown. I'm super excited. Um, mm-hmm. And then I believe we both read Dial A for Aunties as well. Yeah, uh, it was, I think it was a book of the month book at some point, And I was just like, I don't know what this is. And then I saw some reviews talking about how it's like a thriller, but also like a slapstick comedy. And I was like, that sounds fun. And so I picked it up and it, it was fun. Yes. Uh, I think I read it because it was a book of the month. I didn't get it through book of the month. I got it at the library like later when I was kind of like, oh, I need something. Let's see what's available. And I ended up really enjoying it, which was surprising because, again, it doesn't fall into the normal category of things that I would read. Mm-hmm. I, I just love when, when genres are mashed together and it's done well. So like Dial A for Antes was like definitely a mystery, definitely a thriller, but it was also so funny um, and just completely like ridiculous and over the top, but in a way that, that worked really well. Right. Um, I still have not read The Other Merlin, Katie, but you put that on here with a lot of exclamation points. <laughs> I mean, if three is a lot, then sure. But yes, I did add exclamation points. Um, the other Merlin I was seeing going around TikTok a bunch and it has, I'm so sorry to these people. It has the ugliest cover. It, I just pulled I, it up and it truly does. It's, it's a horrendous cover. Like every time they showed it to me, I was like, thank you. I will not be reading this book. The book, like the cover is terrible. Um, it's like a, like a full on girl in a hood. It's bad. Um, but I saw enough TikToks and I like didn't know what book I wanted to read next. I was like, you know, whatever. Maybe it'll be good. I like, you know, um, a on the record Merther shipper. Like, it's fine. I'll read it. Um, and it was so good. It was so delightful. Um, it was another justice for Merther situation. Um, it was like action packed and fast paced, but still like thoughtful and funny. Um, it was just a really good book. Please, God, someone re-release it with a new cover. <laughs> I'm begging. Maybe one day they will. I mean, it's still not available at my library, so I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Um, like, it just doesn't exist in my library's catalog. Catalog. That's the word I uh, like. I hate when they do that. Yeah. Um, and then I think my final book was The Daughter of Black Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't even know how I found out about this. Or where it came from. See, this one has a good cover. Like, fa- fairly uh, generic, Okay, but well, good. It, it no longer exists on my book, my Goodreads, so I can't look up anything about it. I don't understand why, where it went. I literally had it pulled up before. 
Well, that's rude of the internet. All right, it's by Kathy Marie Buchanan, and it's back now. Um, again, I cannot remember how I found it, but it's it sort of like a historical fiction in like a time that's not well defined and things like that. And it just, I don't know, it, it really just resonated with me as a good book. Um, and I didn't have super high expectations, but I loved it. So I think, uh, everyone should read The Daughter of Black Lake. That's awesome. Well, I will add it to my list. Um, and so after that, we're going to talk a little bit about slumps and slump busters because slumps are part of reading. Like, it's part of just being a reader is that sometimes you're going to read a lot more than other times. Um, and sometimes that's really going to suck. And there are tricks that, like, Katie and I have tried to use to get out of them, slump busters. And for me this year, they didn't really work, but we can talk about some of them. I definitely had a huge slump in, like, the late summer, early fall where... I tried to read, I don't know, a bunch of different books. I still have a bunch of half-read books on my, um, like, currently being read list, but I did not finish them. Yeah, I was pretty lucky to avoid slumps, I think, because really I cannot overstate the serotonin boost of adding something to a spreadsheet. Um, so that really sustained me through straight up 10 months. I, I did not really have a reading slump, slump until November. But, uh, I mean, boy, was, was November rough. I just, like, could not pick up a book throughout November. And I think, like, I don't have any, like, books that are guaranteed slump busters. I think what has worked for me are things like returning to old favorites. So, like, I really enjoyed Beach Read at the beginning of the year. And I, like, could not, like, I did not read a book between, hang on, that, there we go. I did not read a single book until um, in the month of November, until November 19th, um, which is an insane stretch to just like have truly not even picked up a book. And finally, I just like picked up Beach Read back from, from Audible and I, I read it. And then to give you like an insight into my mental state, I like finished it at work and then like stopped reading it. And then when I got into the car, my phone like auto connected to Bluetooth and just started playing Audible again and just started Beach Read again from the top. And then I just read it again. Um, Because I was like, I do not have the energy to change change this. this. So I read it twice in two days. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. But then after that, I was good to go. Um, For me, I, I really never found anything that like busted a slump truly this year. Like, it just felt like no matter what I did, I couldn't get a book finished, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pretty big time period between, like, I read Crooked Hallelujah on, I finished it on June 17th, and then I didn't finish a book until July 3rd, This Poison Heart. And I honestly didn't, This Poison Heart, like, was pretty good. Um, but then it took me a little while again, I read Crier's War, and I think part of it, part of the problem was, like, during this entire time... I was attempting to read Ray Bear or listen to it, and that was, like, mm. just not working for me. And then I had another pretty big gap, like, in August. Um, luckily, like, Ace of Spades, I think, is what cracked me out of it. So, like, I tend to go for, like, YA, and particularly YA fantasy, when I need to mm-hmm. bust that slump because they are easy reads that I don't have to use my brain a lot for, which is not to say that they're mm-hmm. not good books. It just doesn't challenge me reading as much as, like, some other books do. 
Yeah, it's like there, there's just not as much like subtext in YA. A lot of it is just It's text, on the page. Right, exactly. Not, it's just which, text. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. It just is a fact of the genre. It's for younger readers. And that's my, my other book. My other tip was like light books that you've been reading to read. And I think that a lot of YA, even when the subject matter is, wow, subject matter is heavier, the, the like toll that it takes to read it is lighter unless it's the hunger games of course easier to just kind of fly through it uh, unless it's the hunger games boy are those books like i am floored that a generation of youth read those books and did not come out of it here i mean we did come i was just about to say what do you mean did not come out of it we did Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so that's kind of uh, i said it i put it in the earlier thing but i didn't say it like i felt like this entire year was a giant slump and when you look at my stats, it's like, it's not. Objectively, I read a lot of books. <laughs> but I just felt like there were so many times where I felt I was pushing so hard to finish a book to struggle that, like, it felt like a slump. And I gotta say, even, like, Go Tell the Bees that I've gone took me almost the entire month. Part of that is its length and how busy the holidays are. But part of that was, like, I'm still kind of digesting it, but I, I think that there was a lot in that novel that didn't need to be in there, and we only really got action in the last, like, 150 pages. Yeah. I mean, it can be rough. I know exactly what you mean about, like, objectively, we have read a lot this year, but, like, I like at the end, my reading pace was, like, I read a book every 1.46 days this year. Um, so, like, if I, anytime I went more than two or three days without reading a book, it felt weird and wrong and like like i shouldn't be not reading Mm -hmm. which is crazy um but next year it will be interesting to see how it all stacks up especially given how many things that we are excited about in 2022 there are a lot of releases Mm -hmm. there are so many releases um we picked just a handful that we are the most excited about um i will i will say this one and then i will stop talking about the atlas six um but it was originally independently published but has been picked up by tor books yes which is a huge um fantasy publisher it's going to be re-released as a hardcover and it's going to be very cool yeah, and uh, so I'm very excited. It's going to be edited, um, like, with an actual professional editor. There were definitely, that's, like, the one thing about the book is, like, you could kind of tell that it was independently released. Um, so I'm excited to see that, and I'm that comes out in 2022. Yes, and then in terms of, like, new books that we have not read yet in 2022, Bloodmarked, the second Legendborn book, comes out. And the cover has been released. Oh, I could not be more excited for this one. Yeah, it looks so I, good. Like, we're uh, not going to be able to talk for like a week because it's not even. I mean, it's going to take each of us like a day. But <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it looks so good. It it's serving Selwyn Kane. I'm very excited. Oh for my it. god, the cover! Oh. <laughs> if you read Legendborn and you haven't looked at the cover of Bloodmarked yet, go now. Pause. Go now. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I'm really excited about. I think probably me more than Bailey. You're kind of on the record as like not really. Like, you like it, but you don't love Emily Henry the way I do. No, um, I, I mean, don't. I read it twice in a row. I read Beach Tree twice in a row. But Book Lovers by Emily Henry is coming out in 2022, and I'm very excited. The cover's very cute. It's a cute blue color. Yes, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. Um, I just, like, you know. For me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which means I'm excited for you. I don't have to be excited for me. Which I appreciate um, so much. And then The Golden Enclaves, which is the School of Mance number three that will come out in 2022 
Um, yes. And then we can hear the resolution of the cliffhanger. Yeah, I assume there will just be another one, though. Like, I assume we're not getting out of it this easily. You don't think it's a trilogy? I thought it was a trilogy. Oh, I think it's a trilogy, Katie. Oh, no. I don't like the way that that sounds at all. I mean, this is all just speculation, obviously. I don't think that it's, like, she might she might be nice to us. Um, uh, I Now that you've said that, though, I totally could see her ending an entire trilogy on a cliffhanger Or not even anyway. a cliffhanger, like, just, like, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Like an yeah, open ending. I, I which... think that that would totally... Uh... Yeah, we hate open endings. Uh, we love hate. Op- we love hate open endings. Yes, for sure. And then, portrait of a thief is one you put on here. I did. Um, I've been the cover. First of all, absolutely gorgeous. I think we're learning how much I love book covers, which is something I've like known, but I don't think I've ever said it out loud this many times in a row to like sufficiently make myself realize it. Uh, but gorgeous cover, and it's about. Um, it is a it is a heist novel full of queer characters, and it's about stealing Chinese artifacts back from Western museums, um, which is the best premise I have ever heard, and I'm very excited for it. Yes, I looked it up. I actually hadn't heard of it until you put it on this list, and I looked it up and immediately was like, "Well, we are reading that for sure." Mm-hmm. I had seen I had seen a couple of of like TikToks of people anticipating it, and then people have like started to get arcs of it um, nice. recently ish. Yeah. And then another one, another TikTok find is uh, It's the Ones We Burn by Rebecca Mix. I've been following Rebecca Mix on TikTok for a long time. One of the actually, like, things that I hate the most on TikTok is when people are like, what if this scene in a book? And then they're like, what book is it? And the creator's like, oh, I'm writing it. Um, It drives me crazy because usually the scenes sound amazing and I want to read the book immediately. And I think this was, like, something similar to that, but she actually, like, has a publication date. It's in 2022. It's called The Ones We Burn, and I think the summary is something like a a, a himbo warrior girl. Love a good himbo. Um, is sent, yep, she, I think she's, like, from, a, like, a coven, like, a witch's coven, and she is... Um, sent to be betrothed to the prince of the kingdom but really her secret mission is to kill him nice. but then she falls in love with the prince's like mean sister oh okay uh everything about it sounds incredible i mean i'm definitely very excited i just looked it up and marked it so that it keeps popping up in my feed and stuff because it definitely sounds interesting but i think it comes out in like late 2022 so we're pretty far off in terms of details Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even have a cover reveal, but I mean, uh, Rebecca talks about it a lot on her TikTok and Twitter, and so I like I feel very close to the story, and I'm very excited for it. Gotcha. That is, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a bazillion books coming out in 2022, and I just haven't had the time yet to like look up a whole bunch of them because that, mm-hmm. that can't be it. But those definitely are the ones that I'm like most excited about for now. Yeah, agreed. I'm sure there are so many more. I'm sure we're going to be screaming about so many books next year. But these are just kind of the the top of mind ones for the moment. For sure. That kind of wraps up the year. The only other thing that I've done fandom related is watched Wheel of Time on Amazon. Yeah, how how is that? I have not been I have not been watching it because I, I still want to read the books first and I just have haven't. How's how's the series? I <laughs> don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't had time to watch all eight episodes yet. Okay, well, we can leave it at that. 
Uh, I can tell. Like I can tell you. Review. I can tell you offline if you want, but I don't want to. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Totally fair. Well, hopefully it's it's good. I'm getting ambiguous vibes from that, but um, hopefully if you're watching it at home, you're enjoying it. <laughs> there are some very very good parts of it. I will say that. That's awesome. So, um, as yeah. always, remember my take on Wheel of Time, offline or not, uh, it will be right because we should say it. Right. Uh, we'll see you in 2022. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Rose Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips. Our logo is by Baby Truth Collection, and our theme song is by the wonderful Anna Voss. Please rate and subscribe if you get a chance, and we will see you in 2022. Have a very happy new year. Um, and... And I think, I think we... <laughs> is everything okay down there? Yeah, they're fine. Um, there was a, a box of toys on a chair, and it's no longer on the chair. I see. It is, it's now on the ground where they can okay. get to it. Okay, at least she picked out something that's not squeaky. Cool. Anyway.